I remember that first mm-hmm. day I did it, I looked back on my day and I said, holy cow, not only did I get more accomplished, higher quality output in less time, but I had more free time than ever. Yeah. And I didn't feel guilty about you know checking my messages for 20 minutes. Hello, and welcome to the Happy You're Here podcast. In this show, we talk about tools, techniques, and ideas to help us live more fulfilling and connected lives. In this episode, we have Sean Rosenstiel, who is the author and the founder of Intentional Living Academy. I would love to let you dive into a little bit of what that is and how you came to that. Yeah, well, thank you, Craig. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I recently published a book uh, back in July of this year called The School of Intentional Living. And what a incredible, crazy experience. I've been wanting to write this book for many years. And uh, writing a book and editing and publishing and marketing and <laughs> doing all the things you need to do as an author and learning all these new skill sets in the midst of you know all the craziness going on was a very yeah. interesting experience. But I will say what a blessing that was. It gave me something to focus on and it gave me something to pay attention to and to, to sink my teeth into during this time of uncertainty. So I feel very blessed that the decision was made that this was the year. Uh, no matter what, that this book would be written. But uh, yeah, the book's about intentional living. It's a, to me, for many years, this is a very, uh, not scary, but just kind of a hairy, broad topic. And I think a lot of us have mm-hmm. different de- definitions of what intentional living means to each and every one of us. So for many years, I sat there and I said, well, I would love to write this book. I've been obsessed with intentional living since my late 20s. And I would really love to to do this. I've always admired authors for their ability to clarify the written word, publish a book, have the courage to, you know, uh, be out there in public uh, with criticism and all the rest of it. Like I, I'm an avid reader. So yeah. I've always appreciated authors for, for sharing their work with us. So it hit me finally last year, late last year, this idea that, you know, as much as I didn't like school, you know, I was like a C average student at best, C minus average probably at best. But as much as I didn't like my experiences in school, and I don't look back upon those times fondly, it really taught me the formal education system actually did teach me a few foundational lessons that if I could just apply those lessons in my life now in the real world, I could really live more intentionally. So I kind of found an entry point into this topic, and I really wanted to make it relevant for people, for the reader. I really wanted to make it as relatable as I possibly could, and also real simple. So I titled it The School of Intentional Living because I'm basically bringing people back to some of their experiences just in school and and saying, hey, you know, back in school, for example, you had something called subject areas, right? It's the first chapter of the book. Mm -hmm. Well, those subject areas gave you something to pay attention to. They gave you targets to hit. You knew exactly six to seven, eight things what you needed to pay attention to, continually approve over time. Like you had some there was like the banks on the river when you were going through school, they were guide rails. And then we get thrust into the real world. (laughs) And we're like, what are the what matters to me? Like what truly matters? Where are the guide rails? So in the real world, we could call those things life areas. And unlike in school, we were told what those areas were when we were told what to do in the real world, as mature adults, hopefully, we get to decide and define those areas of our lives ourselves. That's up to us. That's up to each and every one of us. So it's the first chapter in my book. It's a real simple, short read. I think it's about 140, 50 pages, including front and back matter. So, I mean, people are reading it in two, three hours, which is really cool. 
and there's 12 chapters and it kind of takes you through and I make, I use school as a metaphor and I just kind of bring you back and say, Hey, remember progress reports and what was the purpose of that? And in your life, you can actually do some progress reports and get a good yeah. objective assessment of how you're doing today in your life. And so anyways, I had a really good time with it. Uh, it did surprisingly well. I'm a self-published author. I started the book. I started writing it in February and I made the decision at the beginning of the year and then I just got busy back in with my day to day. So January came and left and I'm like, oh, I haven't done anything with it. And I have another business where I help leadership teams implement systems in their companies. And I, I got I let go by like 90% of my clients. So now we're in February and the pandemic's mm. making the headlines and a lot of businesses um, aren't doing so well. And a lot of businesses are letting people like me, outside coaches and consultants go first before their employees and rightfully so. 10% of my clients back then, Craig, were thriving in this pandemic. So I'm like, you know, I should figure out what it is about their business models that makes them thrive in this market and just go find more people. Because I'm like, now's not the right time to focus on the book. I've got uh, a, a wife whose dream was to one day be a stay-at-home mom. And I don't want to <laughs> right. I don't want to rock that yeah. boat. And I've got right, three, right. three young kids, six and under, I got miles to feed Morgan, you know, all these responsibilities. Now's not a good time to focus on this book, but luckily I made a small shift and I said, you know what? Now's precisely the right time. This pandemic just burned, burned all of my boats. You know, it burned the boats. It, it, it did something that I didn't have the courage to do myself for the last five years. It's now or never. Now's the year. So now's, now is the right time. And I, and I, started in February and it published in July. And I think it, uh, I think it's now sold two, two, two and a half months in. I think we've sold like over 3000 copies, which is awesome. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And it hit like number one bestseller across like five categories, which I was shocked at. Uh, so we just very fortunate. I had an incredible launch team. I had a lot of people behind it helping me out. And um, it's definitely a, it's one of those uh, it takes a village type of a, an effort. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I've worked on some launch teams before for some of my other clients that are, are authors or, uh, you know, that's a piece of their business that they're coaches. Uh, and it is not easy, no, It's not, <laughs> it, to, especially to accomplish that. That's, that's, uh, I congratulate you yeah. on that. I think, you know, and it speaks partially to the value of what you're sharing. And I'd love to kind of, to set the stage for anything else we talk about, can we kind of define at least a little bit what intentional living means? Sure. So we're going to use that as a foundation as, of what we're talking about. And I think it's important to have that de shared definition. So I hate to <clears throat> say, here's what it means, because I truly believe that intentional living means something different to each and every one of us. And sure. that's what matters. What matters is that we, if, if we have this calling or if we, you know, we feel a tap on the shoulder that, you know, I think I need to start living more intentionally, which by the way, I think this pandemic is doing for a lot of people. It's, it's, you know, helping people kind of wake up from their slumber and sit back and realize, Hey, am I where I want to be in life? Right. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important that we define that based on our own stage of life, based on our own unique circumstances. I, I grew up with this definition of success, uh, a very conventional definition of success. So success to me growing up, and until I was in my late twenties was mansions, very material possession esque, right? right? So it's like yeah. big mansions and fancy cars and fast fun toys and status and all of these material possessions. 
And I chased that definition of success for 28 years. I made a lot of negligent decisions. I had this goal by the time I was 25, Craig, to be a millionaire. And I reached mm. 25, didn't hit my goal. So I wanted to accelerate it. I got a little crazy, made some seriously negligent decisions, careless, foolish decisions, got in way over my skis. And eventually it led to my bankruptcy when I was 28. And at the time I filed bankruptcy, it was just one month before my wedding. Mm. So it was a very interesting time. That to me was my wake up call. I had a lot of close encounters growing up and, 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 and oddly enough, it took like a financial catastrophe for me to sit back and say, what's, what am I doing here? You know, how, how do I, I think that's, I think that's so important because you know, the, especially in the internet culture, like that is put on a pedestal and it's like, do whatever you have to do to get this, like, uh, and you know, people like Gary Vee, they call that out. They're like, it's a, people aren't actually trying to be a millionaire. They want to look like a millionaire, right? They want to tell them, they want to have the cars and stuff so they can convince themselves that they're at least like living that lifestyle, which can drive so many people into debt. Sure. Uh, unsustainable debt. And I think a lot of people probably have some experience with that. Um, and you talked about how the school kind of puts these rails on and tells us, you know, what the direction is. And then we get into the, the quote unquote real world, the adult world, and we're kind of just left to figure that out. But I think it's still, it, it sets us on a trajectory to focus on, because you know, when you're in school, they don't ask you what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of husband do you want to be? What kind of family do you want to have? They yes. ask you, what do you want to do for a living? Right. And that is all that you're told to focus on. So then you go to college or you don't go to college, but it's all based on that decision of like, for most people, of what is the career and what are the career goals that I have? Right. And then you spend all of your life until you're hit with some kind of, you know, Traditionally, it was called the midlife crisis, but I think that people are hitting that much earlier now. Absolutely. Uh, I, I know I did, Craig, yeah. and like um, the great uh, Swiss psychoanalyst Carl Jung talks about the morning, the afternoon, and the evening of our lives mm -hmm. and how we can't run the afternoon on our, of our lives with the, with the program from our life's morning. And absolutely, quarter life crisis, like that became a thing. Yeah. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. I had one of those. Yeah. I, I like four years old. I had done everything that I had thought I wanted to do. I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to make a movie by the time I was 25. And I did that at 24. Good for you. And I was like, okay, well, now what? You're like, I've peaked. I, yeah, I've, I I've like, arrived. I'm, at 25. <laughs> right. I'm only like, 24. I have like 80 years left and Good I don't know what you. to do with it now. Good for you. Uh, and I was like, I guess I'll make more movies. And then I was absolutely miserable doing that. And I ended up like really just driving myself into a hole and getting really, really depressed and, and yeah. ended up becoming an addict, not directly because of that, but it was because I wasn't addressing anything else. It was just like grind, 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 try to hit these goals. And I didn't really know why I was reaching for those goals. It was just that when I was 18, someone told me to pick a North star and I picked it without any intention. Yeah, I was just like, that sounds like something that would be interesting to do. And then I just like, was always going forward towards that. And Ooh. I think that's what's important when you're talking about intentional living is like, taking a look and being like, did I choose this, this North Star? Uh, or these this vision of the future that I'm trying to build? Or was it chosen for me? Or was it haphazardly chosen? Right? Yeah, I mean, you look at to your point about, you know, achievement, I was 18, I was just, you know, you look at the values of men, like before a midlife crisis or before they enter the afternoon and achievements up in the top five. I mean, there's actually studies done. There's a book called um, Quantum Change. Uh, and there's a study done that, uh, and it kind of analyzes men and, and women's values before and after a shift. And one of the top five values for men like us 
was this sense of achievement. And, and where does that mm. come from? It's like, well, look what happens. Like you, you, you come out of the womb and you're, you're, you're flipping over and people, your parents are like, whoa, he flipped. And then you're crawling yeah. and they're like, yeah, you can, you can do it. You can crawl. You can you know, perform an action. You can achieve. And then you walk and then you get good grades and you're achieving, achieving, achieving. So it's definitely a value that, that we have for sure. Um, yeah, I think when I, for me, we have very similar pasts or, or kindred spirits in, in that regard. I mean, I, I've battled my addictions in the past. And for me, when I had that bankruptcy, like I, I realized that financial bankruptcy was the last of my concerns. I was spiritually, mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, and physically bankrupt as well. I was relationally bankrupt for that matter. Like I was coming apart and um, I, I think I needed that. And I look back in that period of time in my life and it was a real blessing. So I don't want to avoid your question that you asked me about three hours ago, which was how do I define intentional <laughs> living? So I think it's important for each and every one of us to define it based on what we want, based on how, you know, what success means to us. I followed this very conventional way, this very conventional definition of success, and it didn't work for me. And I'm not sitting here. I'm not one of those people sitting here that saying money is not important. Money is super important because what money gives you is the emotional result that everyone's looking for the security mm -hmm. you know options freedom it gives you those things so it's very important but it has its place for me it was number one value number one priority top priority at all costs i want to be a millionaire and that didn't work for me it works yeah. for some people on the outside looking in it might but then you see headlines and people are addicted suicides at an all-time high i mean it's just i don't know if that's the way necessarily but um so we have to define our own, you know, what it means to be successful. And we have to define what does it mean for me to live an intentional life? So for me, living intentional life, if I could just kind of sum it up in a paragraph, I think it would have something to do with making the most of your, making the most of your time here on earth. I think it would be um, following the signals of your callings, of your, you know, paying attention about what am I passionate about? What am I into? Where do I invest my time? I think it would be about using your God-given gifts and talents to your greatest extent. I think it would be about making a difference in the lives of those you love, lead, and serve. And ultimately, I think it would be about leaving this world in better condition than when you arrived. Growing up, my grandmother used to always say, you know, we used to go into a room and create a nightmare out of that room and leave. And she always used to be like, you know, hey, you know, don't ever leave a room in worse condition than when you entered it. And I kind of, yeah. I really absorb that. And, and I finally appreciate that. And for me, that's, that's kind of how I go out into the world. That's how I set out on my day, you know, every day in my life, I'm like, I, I use the room, my grandmother's guidance, that room as a metaphor for the, for the world. You know, what can I do today? What can I do in the next hour? What can I do right now? to leave this world in better condition than when I arrived. And the more and more I can kind of keep that on my radar screen, the more mm -hmm. fulfilled I am, the more joy I experience, the more connection I have with other people. But I will say, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about purpose. I think so many of us, and I know this oh, for, for, for yeah. years for me, it's like I walked around aimlessly. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? Yeah. What am I doing here? What's the meaning of my life? And it's interesting. For me, what helped, to, to, what helped really ground me in the present moment and what helped me to take action on whatever it was in front of me. One of the, another, another thing about living intentionally is doing the best that you can based on what you have and where you're at. 
right? Like just right. doing what you can. Not with trying what to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So one day I'm like, well, what can I do? You know, what is my purpose? And I added two simple, small words right now. That changed everything mm. for me. What is my purpose right now? Not in an hour, not in the past 10 years, not in you know my lifetime, what's my legacy, but what is my purpose right now? What am I doing right now? What am I doing here right now? What is the meaning of my life right now? That's all that matters. Yeah. And it kind of grounded me in the present moment and helped me refocused on the activities that mattered for that, for whatever that period of time was in my life. So that to me, that small shift in the, the, the train of thought before it exited and got too far to the station or that line of thinking that really changed the game for me quite a bit. I, I practice a lot of meditation, which has been very impactful for me. And, and really a, a piece of a byproduct of that is that it teaches you what it's like to be present. Cause I think a lot of us are never even really familiar with what it like. The idea of presence is a little bit abstract mm -hmm. until you have some experiential knowledge of what that is and then being able to center your actions and your you know thoughts on it's not necessarily being 100% like in this moment but in the next you know like 5 minutes in the next hour like what am i doing right like is it good and 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 what kind of person do i want to be right now those right. are some important questions rather than what am i going to do with my entire life in 80 years from now <laughs> right, <laughs> like right. you know yeah uh, that's it's awesome. going to be overwhelming i i'm i'm with you i'm a in, it, meditation for me has been instrumental in my life i never thought a million years that i'd be one of those people <laughs> I almost hate to talk about it because I think I do. so many of us have these, you know, associations with it. Misconceptions. Misconceptions of it. Yeah. I look at it as nothing more of a vehicle. When I started meditation, I was at point A and I wanted to get to point B. And I learned that my point B could be solved for by practicing meditation. It was one of many vehicles. Yeah. Meditation was another vehicle but I just wasn't interested in trying the medication part. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. I, I just, yeah. that wasn't for me based on my past and everything else. I wanted a more natural. I also, I, I value freedom and I didn't want to be tethered to anything and I could meditate with nothing. I mean, I can truly meditate and be radically present and tap into yeah. what I call tap into the mainframe. I don't need anything yeah. for that, which is so empowering. So it for is, me, yeah. it's nothing more than a vehicle. It's, it's, you know, to each their own and different strokes for different folks. But for me, that vehicle, I'm so uh, grateful I tried it when I did, because what's interesting is that vehicle is, you know, there's a lot of versatility in that vehicle. No matter mm -hmm. what you're looking to get, no matter what state, peace of mind, higher connection with your God source, universal intelligence, whatever you call it, like meditation, you can do a lot with meditation. It's not just for one thing. It can solve for quite yeah. a quite a bit of things. And there's so many different paths. I think there's like what seven main paths of it. So like you can definitely take different practices based on what uh, you're into and based on what you believe will work. So it's a powerful thing. And also what the, you know, what the circumstance is, mm -hmm. certainly. Yes. That's, you know, there's, there's meditation that even within meditation practices, there are subsections of me meditation, like within Vipassana practice, which is I think what a lot of people think of when they think of meditation, which is it doesn't need to be that, which is like the Buddhist version of meditation, uh, or at least one of the Buddhist versions of meditation. And that is there's like uh, Samhara, which is the calming, abiding, the, the, that's the clearing the mind and, and becoming present. And then there's the Vipassana, which is the insight. So that's going beyond just like, it's like, okay, well, what is being known? Like, what, is, what are my thoughts doing? And what is that? How is that causing suffering in my life or whatever? Which is more than I think what often is kind of sold as meditation is just that 
well, you got to clear your mind. Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is totally right. not what it is. That is a degree of it. And that helps because you're learning to focus your attention. But also, even the most experienced meditator is not 100% going to have a clear mind and they're not going to have any thoughts. Right. That's not really possible, I don't think. Uh, and that's not the goal. The goal is just to like work it like a muscle, get a little bit more intention over the way that you're directing your thoughts. Sure, sure, yeah. Well, based on what you just said, I think you're like in college with meditation and I'm just trying to make my way out of elementary school. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's appropriate. I've, I've been studying it for a long time. <laughs> awesome. I eventually, I'm working actually on a certification to teach Good it. Good for so you. Good for you. That, that's, um, and I think a lot of, there's, there is definitely issues or barriers that get put in the way f at the introduction for a lot of people where they think like, oh, it's this thing and I, I don't think that's possible for me. So then they don't try it. And, and it can be such a powerful vehicle, like you said, and there's, they just got to make sure they're, they got to try out some different vehicles to see which one's going to get that's them right. where they want to go. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So on that note, one of the questions I, I like to ask is, you know, the, sh the show is all about tools, techniques, and ideas. And is there, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, if there's a one of those, like an idea or a tool that you use, a technique that you use that you feel like has been very central in, you know, uh, living this fulfilling, intentional life. So many, right? Um, I yes. just got done with, uh, I'm, I'm running these just incredible, these amazing uh, challenges and these Facebook groups. It's been such a fun year this year. I'm so grateful that whoever it was came up with challenges, came up with this vehicle, this marketing vehicle, because webinars are getting really stale. <laughs> so yeah. Whoever they're that was, thank you. I, yeah. 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 And they're not engaging. There's not community camaraderie, accountability. Um, nobody's taking action. You're not like you know, no one's going outside their comfort zone where all that growth happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just came off of day four of this five-day challenge that I'm hosting this week. And we talked a lot about structure. So what's one tool or strategy that has significantly impacted my life as it relates to living intentionally is scheduling some of my priorities uh, on the calendar, scheduling some of my free time. I think there's that misconception that structure is rigid and that like, you know, I thought when I was going to first try it, I'm like, this is going to be too rigid. I'm going to get suffocated. I'm going to die in there. <laughs> you know, like, I just want to be free, <laughs> man. a lot of people's reaction. Right? Yeah, yeah, like that is not for me. But once again, uh, I think it's chapter six, you know, making the most of our time. You think back to school, like you covered so much ground in school. You, you covered every day six to eight, you know, areas of, of subject matter moving from class to class, trying to balance everything. You were in the constant state of trying to balance it all. And somehow, some way you, you did it. Some people do it. Some people did it. Other people drop out. I mean, whatever it is, you had a taste of it. I don't care what your level yeah. of experience was, but that doesn't really relate or matter. I should say you experienced that structure and were able to accomplish quite a bit throughout the day. Well, why is that? Cause you had like a 45 minute class. There was a bell. You had a five minute break next class, 45 minutes bell. So you had that structure and I think without it, it's very difficult to be as intentional as we want to be. And, and one of the big reasons I think now, Craig, is because we're living smack dab in the middle of the information age and mm -hmm. it's incessant, it's rampant. We have so many distractions. I think the uh, latest stats suggest like the average American adult watches on average four hours of TV a day. Like if you, if I did that in my life and I, played the long game with that one. And I took it out another, let's say, I hope I'm alive another 50 years. I got a lot of living to do here. 
So let's say I'm alive, best case or whatever it is for 50 more years, four hours a day, I, that's, that's, like, um, that's like eight years of my life. If I live to when that I'm 88 years old for eight yeah. years, 10%. Um, so I think it's really hard for us to advance in the direction of our dreams, stay the course with our passions, our activities, our priorities, if we don't have that tool in place. And what's neat is the first time years ago, the first time I was finally open enough to say, okay, I'll try it once. Like it was being recommended. I was getting it from all angles. Yeah. And I'm like, I have to just finally give in and try this stupid thing. So the first time I did it, I couldn't believe how much free time I had that day. I was blown away. And I just, in this challenge, I just showed people, I said, does anyone know what they were doing on this date, October 8th in 2019? And people were like, why are you even asking? I'm like, well, here's what I did. Here's what I was focused yeah. on. And I have years, maybe five, six years worth of history, which is so neat to have just because that's cool. But at the same time, it keeps you, it keeps your eye on the ball. It keeps you effective. And if people think it's too rigid, we have to be realistic here. Like, I don't know what's going on in an hour. I can't control my day. If you think you can schedule out your day and control it to the minute, you're going to set yourself up for a big dis disappointment. So I have my bookends. I have a morning routine and evening routine, and I structure or schedule all of my priorities around my pre-existing commitments like this podcast with you, which I'm grateful for. Right. Mm -hmm. And then in the night, like in the evening, most weekdays, for example, I have family time. Sounds funny, but I schedule that 515 to 815. I have three hours of uninterrupted scheduled time where I can not only be physically present with my family and my three kids, but emotionally and mentally present, I think more importantly, and I can give right. myself permission to put that phone away. And I know that if I'm dying to check my messages come 815, I can do that. Right. Uh, so it's just so important. And I look for 80% compliance day to day. So mm -hmm. there's no way that I won't have an interruption. I won't get pulled out. I won't get distracted. I mean, there's just no way that's unrealistic, but if I can hit 80% each day, and when you do get pulled off your schedule to have compassion for yourself, for, yeah. for others, to not get angry, frustrated, upset. You can know that you can come back to it in, at the appropriate time and triage the balance of your day and kind of reset a little bit. That happens almost daily for me. So it's not like I you know, plan my entire life and don't expect interruptions. Of course, that's going to happen. We're all human, right? And things things happen. Yeah. And it's an, it's, you're setting yourself up for failure if you are going. And I think that that's an important factor like i do that i have google calendar i use and i have every half hour of my day mapped out and the way i look at you. it is like if i don't have something come up this is what i'm going to do good for you if something comes up that's fine i'll just move it over like sure. you got to be a little easy but you have an intention it, set. but you also you have an intention yeah. set and that's where the magic takes place and i yeah. think you know and, and people laugh so i i don't schedule my weekends my, and it might be that free time that's it like could be free time too right exactly is to to whatever those like a family you want to thumb through your facebook or instagram feed time. schedule it give yourself i have a half an <laughs> yeah. hour scheduled to instagram and linkedin time Yeah, just devour and enjoy it no longer feel guilty yeah. about it right because that's nonsense <laughs> i don't schedule my weekends my wife mm -hmm. basically does that for me i don't need to <laughs> but like people laugh at us our friends laugh at us we schedule movie time yeah like on a weekend, we'll be like, what do you want? Do you want to schedule a movie? You know, we want to watch a movie Saturday. So we'll put it on the counter. She'll invite me or I'll invite her. And what's neat is we get the kids down. We have, first of all, we have something to be excited about, something to anticipate, something compelling to look forward to. But then it like gives ourselves permission to keep our phones away, 
to make popcorn, snuggle up, put our feet up, and really just enjoy one another's company. So I want freedom, but I don't want to add structure to my day. To me, it makes no sense because I am the most free when my phone is untethered. It's nowhere near me, nor is my wife's phone. And we are free to do whatever we want for two full hours. Enjoy the movie, pause it, have a conversation, whatever it is. That's freedom for me. You know, so I just think there's a lot of freedom there and the magic in structure and why this tool is so important. It's not so important because like, yeah, short, short-term gain, 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 short-term gain, Craig, is you can get what you want today accomplished. Fine. But mm-hmm. there's a long-term reward and that long-term reward is the power of the compound effect. So like your days add up to weeks, your weeks, months, months, quarters, quarters, years, years, decades. If you can get in the practice and get in the habit of structuring your days. Uh, I used this story from the first time I read this was in Darren Hardy's book, The Compound Effect. And he, he, he asked the question, would you rather $3 million cash in hand today or a penny doubled every day for 31 days? And while most people might want that instant gratification, that security, that certainty, like give me the three mil now, if you can wait and a penny compounds every day for 31 days, it's over $10 million. So when you add structure to your day and you do what you can to stick to it and you don't flip out on yourself or other people when you get interrupted, which you will, yeah. and you can get, you know, 80, remain 80% compliant, you're going to start to see the power of the compound effect in your own life. So that for me, even though it's kind of like that, it's not a sexy tool, right? Okay. Like we're talking Google Calendar. I use an Apple Calendar. It's not sexy. It's not new. It's not proprietary. You know, it's time management in a way, but it's just one of the most, it's kind of like that, that sleeping, you know, the sleeping drag or, dragon in my arsenal. And it's not, you know, fun at first, but when you start to see the power of the compound effect just after one day. I remember that first Mm -hmm. day I did it, I looked back on my day and I said, holy cow, not only did I get more accomplished, higher quality output in less time, but I had more free time than ever. And I didn't feel guilty about, you know, checking my messages for 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. That's such a, you know, that is such a foundational thing. And like you said, it's just not necessarily a sexy thing, but it is so powerful. And because like you, you alluded to this multiple times, like the structure is freedom. Because if you don't structure your days, if you don't tell yourself, this is what I'm going to do, more or less, with a little bit of uh, flexibility, then you are a slave to all of the things that are going to pop up. All of, and things will pop up. Something, and especially with these, like something will come up that is unintentional that will fill the void of your time and your attention all day long until two o'clock in the morning when you realize where the heck did my day just go? I love that. I haven't paid attention to my family all day. hundred percent. You are a slave to the demands of your environment. A hundred percent. I love that. So if you, if you value freedom, like so many of us do, and you just hate to be addicted or you hate to be tethered or you hate when someone holds you down, you don't want to be controlled. Well, if you're not putting structure in your days, if you're not scheduling out your activities, your priorities, if you're not living intentionally in that way, I hate to say it, but you're a slave to the demands. I feel like we could just go on for like hours. <laughs> but I think people should just buy your book, really. Uh, or check out one of the challenges. Come join a challenge. Yeah, we're having a lot of Can fun. Can you do the challenges without the book? Is that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think about 10% of people that are uh, joining me for these five-day challenges are non-readers of the book, which is really fun. 
because the book is, um, I spent a lot of time with two editors and we, we wrote this, the book turned out to be written at a sixth grade level. Like mm. I wanted this book, to, it's not a smart book marketing strategy. I would not recommend this, but I wanted this book to be available to the masses if it resonated and if it was re relatable. And ultimately my target was the future, my, my future kids, you know, that, that yeah. to me was like, who are you writing for? Who's your ideal reader? And I said, you know what, this is such a psychographic, this morning and afternoon evening of our life. I've, I've coached. I've privately coached a 16 year old female. I've privately coached a 70, 72 year old male. So like, mm -hmm. this is not, um, you know, a female 40 to 50 with type two diabetes and early menopause. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's terrible for marketing. This is, it is, <laughs> but I'm okay with that because for me, this yeah. is my life's work and, and I'll take right. that risk. Uh, that's how important it is. So, and I'm a marketer myself, so I get that. I really do get that. But that's, that's kind of what I get with this podcast is I'm like, it's for anybody that lives a life. And I'm like, that's terrible marketing. <laughs> but I'm play the long game. Yeah. That's worse than, you know, that's worse than I've got it. I, yep. If yeah. you're alive, <laughs> you're going to love my show. <laughs> <laughs> and speak English, I suppose. That's an important there, that's good. Factor. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It narrows down the world. There you go. I like that marketing hat you just put on. Yeah. Um, so anyways, no, about 10% give or take, you know, a point or two on either side are, are readers of the book, but most the vast majority aren't. And the book was kept simple. In fact, when, when it was, when I first completed my first version of my draft, which was an absolute vomit draft, it was about 225 pages and now it's about 140. So we took, there was a lot of advanced, mm -hmm. there was a lot of, lot more things. So I have this intentional living Academy that's for people who read the book. I have a lot of free resources available in the book. So if you want to apply some of the lessons, my recommendation in the book and with anything is like, look, give this thing a flyby, read this thing cover to cover. There's a lot of assignments in the book. It's a tactical book. So read mm -hmm. it cover to cover. If it resonates with you, if it's relatable, if you feel like it's a good time to do it, the right time to do it, um, if you believe it can help you take a second pass and go do a deep dive. And I actually have downloadable resources. They're free. I have tools and templates and some video training that I offer for free, but some people want more than that. So that's why I built the intentional living Academy three years ago. I'm on my third version. I just published what I think is the best version of it. Version three, about two weeks after my book published. Um, so I'm very proud of that. And then I've recognized that people want to go a little bit further because it's hard sometimes to say, I'm going to schedule this learning at 4 PM today. And I'm going to get into a vacuum with me, myself and I, and yeah, you know, sometimes even, I mean, I'm pretty good about that, but sometimes I get stuck to the point where I'm like, I need a, a, a community or I need just some, um, camaraderie. I need some accountability. So I have an acceleration program, which I offer for those who are in the course, but want some more hands-on touch and they want to be a part of this community. And I'm actually offering that now on the back of these challenges, which is something I've never done before, uh, but it's really mm -hmm. exciting. So the five day challenge is well worth it. I deliver a ton of value. You know, my, my highest priority is to deliver the outcome for, for the reader, you know, and give them everything they can empower them with everything they can. So the book is, you know, it's not a, it's not a sales pitch. The book, as, yeah. as you know, it gives you everything you need to execute the lessons in your own life including the tools that you can get for free. Um, so I'm not going to leave you hanging. The challenge is exactly the same thing, but the challenge, we go deeper and we talk about some more advanced things as it relates to intentional living. 
and then you know onward down the rabbit hole you go for those who who want it and who value it right yeah i think that's so important to have you know especially because people learn in so many different ways too like some people the book might be all they need and they're just like this you know changes my life some people like myself I need some more, I need some like video or some like other like interaction, some accountability. That's something that I'm learning on like the coaching and working with coaching and doing some myself is like, I can tell someone exactly, you know, break it down within whatever framework we're using and say, okay, this is your, you know, this is your path forward. But what's really valuable is meeting again in a week or two weeks and saying, whether it's with a community or one-on-one, did you do the thing? And if not, what what's the blockage you know and being able to like personally identify that thing is so valuable where you're not going to get that necessarily with a book but the book can be a a a jumping off point to even find where maybe you don't have those blockages and like you you can just do it all yourself absolutely yeah i think it's cool to have all of those different levels available to people within this uh very important uh kind of framework to work with sure yeah absolutely i think there's different you know i for me I find that a lot of times a book is enough and I have become over the years disciplined and focused enough only because I know what matters to me and I know what my priorities are. And for me, it wasn't, you know, I had a lot of strategies that helped out along the way. Like, you know, my, my, my smartphone was, you know, I looked at the screen time report one night and I'm like, Hey, I was talking to my wife, Karen. I'm like, Hey, I'm on this thing two hours a day. And she's like, that's pretty good. I'm like, is it? Let me, let me run the math on this. Let me play the long game with this distraction of mine. If I do that, that's four years, four years of my life. That's not so yeah. good. I don't want to be thumbing through. That's a cool exercise. It's such a cool exercise. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, I, like, I believe that many of us will, like in our final moments, we will wonder if we passed or failed at this thing we call life. So I operate mm. from this, let's call it mortality motivation place. Because for three decades, I was bulletproof, immortal, careless. So I feel like I have a second, I feel like I have a ninth chance, Craig. <laughs> you know, so I'm doing what I can <laughs> to take my life pretty seriously and hopefully, you know, serve others to the best of my ability. But when I saw that, I'm like, wow, that's interesting. So I learned a few strategies. I learned about uh, do not disturb and setting up contacts and airplane mode and turning off notifications. Oh, do not disturb. That's right. <laughs> talk about a valuable tool. Yeah. And turning off notifications and like actually disabling that little red icon. Cause man, I can't. That's too, I'm, oh, I know who is, I gotta, yeah. I, something's there. You know, there's, there's chemicals. I have a friend taking who place. just showed me his phone. He has 15,000 unread emails and they're, the notification shows up on his phone is 15,000. And I'm like, how yeah. do you live yeah. with yeah. that? You're like, like salivating. I just, I like, you know, you could just turn that <laughs> off, right? <laughs> I get it that you're never going to go through all those emails, but like at least turn the notification yeah. off. And that, that like, stuff yeah, is helpful. That stuff works. And you get to like, you do that. It's like a juice cleanse. It's like, you're not going to, you're mm-hmm. not going to sustain these 15 days, but you'll it's pick like up some good digital things. Digital detox. Yeah. You'll pick up some things along the way and you'll have a new set point when you're on the other end of this. You'll have new healthy habits, new strategies. So I learned a lot, but for me, it was like, I needed to, I needed to know what mattered and I needed to yeah. build a bigger, as Napoleon Hill says, and think grow rich. I needed to build a bigger fire under my desires. That to me was the root hmm. reason that I was complacent, distracted, living unintentionally. So when we know what's important to us, when we understand what truly matters, when we know where we're at, where we objectively assess our lives and we understand and identify our highest priorities, it actually becomes quite natural and quite easy to begin focusing and structuring and making real true progress in our lives when we actually define what it is we want. But we're all sitting here and not a lot of people in this world teach you 
to define what you want out of your life based on your unique circumstances, based on the stage of mm -hmm. life that you're in, based on what matters to you. Like there's been a few people in my life, mentors, who have provided me with their unbiased guidance. And it was some of the best line of questioning I've ever received. The coaches, mentors, yeah, family members. And they had no agenda other than to help me achieve mine. So I'm out here now doing everything I can with this book and with my challenges and with my acceleration programs, with my course, doing everything I can to honor them, to honor the, you know, them and thank them for that gift they gave me and hopefully do the best I can to pay that one forward. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for joining us on the show. I think that I, I'm excited to finish reading the book. I read some of it and, and really uh, was like, oh, I need to stay up all night reading this, but I know you know, that's one of my rules is like, you know, after a certain point, like put it down, go to sleep. But sleep's important. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for having me, Craig. Uh, I appreciate this. This is yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. We'll stay in touch. And everything that, um, you know, we talked about in the show will be linked in the show notes or on the website on the happyyourhere.life website. If someone wants to actually connect with you, is there a best place that they can do that? Sure. Yeah, you can go to my website, seanrosensteel.com. I'm sure we'll put that in the show notes. And then otherwise, if you want to join an upcoming challenge, you can just go to seanrosensteel.com forward slash challenge. And um, my current challenge is going on right now, but uh, I'll probably do another one in the next two to four weeks is my guess. So we, I'd love to have you. Okay. Be a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, Craig.